Have you ever been really good at something, like so good that the thing that you're good at kind of comes to define you? Sometimes you even get accolades for how good you are at something, but then you kind of find yourself drifting and longing for something else, something different. Well, I have. That was for you, Kyle. I never saw The Nightmare Before Christmas when it came out. Back in 1993, I was only like six years old, and my super conservative parents would have never agreed to let me see it. And I remember even asking them about it, because it looked cool, but we didn't really watch movies back then. But there were times that I could convince them to, like, let me see a movie. For instance, if it was about, like, cute dogs or something like that. But nothing with magic, and certainly not a movie where the main character was a singing skeleton. They told me it was a bad and demonic movie that, you know, they hadn't actually seen. And I kind of just believed them and moved on with my life. I didn't actually see the movie until like 2002 when I was in high school. My friend Megan invited me over to her house to watch movies all the time. But we ended up watching The Nightmare Before Christmas a lot because as what would usually happen with me at that age, I kind of became obsessed with it. I wanted to watch it like all the time. I got so into it that one day Megan just decided to give me the VHS tape, like to keep. And I remember watching it all the time. Like, one night I watched it three times in a row in my room because I didn't really have a lot of movies. So, uh, and I remember my mom walking in on me watching the movie and being like, Ugh, I don't know why you like such terrible things. Man, if she thinks that was the most terrible thing that I was into at that time. who have I got news for her. But that wasn't the thing, though. The movie wasn't about terrible things. The movie turned out to be about terrible things, or one terrible thing, wanting to become something else entirely. And I'm not going to sit here and try to make a giant morality statement on whether Halloween is inherently bad and that Christmas is inherently good, but the most intriguing aspect of this movie for me was how it dealt with a very relatable thing. And that thing is reinvention. And uh, there's, there's spoilers fr from here on out if you haven't gotten around to seeing a movie that's like 19 years old. So the movie opens up in a forest with a circle of trees, and each tree has a door on it. And each of the doors represents a different holiday, American holidays mostly. So you've got Christmas, Thanksgiving, Halloween, Easter, etc., etc. So we enter, as the viewer, the Halloween tree, and we come in in the middle of the citizens of Halloween Town doing this elaborate musical number, talking about how stoked they all are to have successfully pulled off another Halloween. Boys and girls of every age, wouldn't you like to see something strange? Come with us and you will see, this is our town of Halloween. This is Halloween, this is Halloween, pumpkin scream. And I'm not entirely sure how this world really works. From what the movie tells us, each season has its own town, where the citizens of that town are like themed after the holiday that the town represents. And based on the events of the movie, I guess once per year on their designated holiday, the citizens are allowed to go out into the real world, like where we live, and enact their theme all over it. 
I'm not totally sure like how, how it all works, but the lack of an explanation kind of works the movie's favor because it kind of gives it a fairy tale quality. By the end of the song, it's kind of explained to the viewer that Halloween Town is run by a skeleton named Jack, who they refer to as the Pumpkin King. It's interesting that the town has a pumpkin king who runs it all, but the town also has, like, a mayor. And the thing is, is that the citizens of Halloween Town are obsessed with Halloween. They're all about scaring people half to death. They're obsessed with only morbid topics, and they love it. They're dedicated to it. They wouldn't have it any other way. Sounds kind of familiar, doesn't it? The song ends in Jack, after basically high-fiving everyone in Halloween Town after their successful night, he kind of walks off by himself and starts singing about how he's been the Pumpkin King literally forever. That even though there's no denying that he is the absolute best at scaring people and being kind of the face of Halloween, that somewhere deep inside he longs to experience something different, something not the norm. And he makes it clear that there's an empty place in his bones, because he's literally just a skeleton, uh, that he can't put his finger on. He doesn't know quite what it is, but it appears like it's been bothering him for a long time. Oh, somewhere deep inside of these bones An emptiness began to grow There's something out there far from my home A longing that I've So in typical sad boy fashion, he walks into the woods and stumbles upon this circle of trees, which I assume he's never found before, because like I thought he'd been living in Halloween Town forever, but it, it's fine. But he's super, super intrigued by the Christmas tree, and he ends up opening the door and then getting sucked into Christmas Town, because like he opened the door and then he turned his back to the open door, and then it like a whole bunch of like swirling like snowflakes like pulled him in the lesson here is don't stand with your back to an open door you're gonna get sucked into another world in christmas town jack is struck by just how colorful joyous and positive christmas town is it's almost the exact polar opposite of halloween town he sings probably one of the most popular songs in the movie what's this What's this? There's white things in the air. What's this? I can't believe my eyes. I must be dreaming. Wake up, Jack. This isn't fair. What's this? What's this? What's this? There's something very wrong. What's this? There's people singing songs. What's this? The streets are lined with little creatures laughing. Everybody seems so happy. Have I possibly gone daffy? What is this? And What's he this? just basks in the pure joy of everything that Christmas Town has to offer. His mind is essentially blown here to the point where he goes back to Halloween Town and holds a town meeting to explain to everybody what he found. He starts off pretty enthusiastically trying to like explain Christmas to the citizens, but it becomes pretty clear pretty quickly that they just don't get it. It's a really funny mix of the citizens rejecting Christmas outright, being like, oh, it's ugly, it's stupid, why? And then some of the citizens are like such like fanboys and so loyal to Jack that even though they don't necessarily understand it themselves either, they want to adopt it like immediately because they want to be on board with anything that Jack says. And Jack in his frustration and realization that he is kind of losing this battle 
decides to just kind of give in and compromise what his vision is. He ends strong by telling them that Christmas Town is run by a terrible king who is bright red and goes out to slay with his reindeer on and flies into the night like a vulture in the sky, and he's called Sandy Claus. Well, I may as well give them what they want. And the best, I must confess, I have saved for the last, for the ruler of this Christmas land is a fearsome king with a deep, mighty voice. At least that's what I've come to understand. And I've also heard it told that that is something to behold, like a lobster, huge and red, when he sets out to slay with his reindeer on, carting bulging sacks with his big, great arms. That is so I've heard it said. And on a dark, cold night, on a full moonlight, he flies into a fog like a vulture in the sky. And this, of course, thrills all of the citizens, and Jack walks away sad, knowing that his vision is kind of tainted now. And he's now also burdened with the expectation of not only having to please himself with the change, but also having to please the citizens of Halloween Town. So not completely satisfied by his own lack of understanding of Christmas, Jack locks himself in his house and starts like hardcore studying Christmas. And he's using like the scientific method. He's got like boiling beakers of water and he's like grinding up Christmas ornaments and seeing what colors they produce and all of this stuff. And at the end of the song, he realizes that he can't really understand what Christmas is with logic and that he just has to believe it in his heart. And he grows overconfident and not only wants to adopt Christmas, but thinks that he can actually make it better. It's simple, really. Very clear, like music drifting in the air, invisible, but everywhere. Just because I cannot see it doesn't mean I can't believe it. You know, I think this Christmas thing is not as tricky as it seems. And why should they have all the fun? It should belong to anyone. Not anyone, in fact, but me. Why, I could make a Christmas tree. And there's no reason I can find I couldn't handle Christmas time. I bet I could approve it too. And that's exactly what I'll do. And in my opinion, this is the point of the movie where Jack lets his obsession take over his better judgment. Even though his friend Sally warned him multiple times that the route he was taking would end in disaster, Jack ends up sending three evil trick-or-treaters off to um, go get Sandy Claus, a.k.a. kidnap him and hold him prisoner, <laughs> which leads to the best song in the entire movie called Kidnap the Sandy Claus. This is where the Halloween-obsessed kids devise all kinds of horrible plans to try to kidnap Sandy Claus, including, but not limited to, forced imprisonment in total darkness, blowing him up with a fucking cannon, dismembering him, but they finally decide to just jump out of a package and sack him. It's pretty good, too. The doorbell rings, and Santa opens up the door like... Then the kids tackle him and put him in a sack. And then they take him back to Halloween Town. But you know what this story was lacking up till this point? A villain. You may have noticed that the trick-or-treaters were a much more evil brand of Halloween Town citizen. And you may have remembered Jack saying something to them about not letting Oogie Boogie in on what was going on. So let's talk about Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie is a giant boogeyman ghost type of creature. And I mean, he's basically a giant sack filled with bugs. I mean, it's a Tim Burton movie. What do you want me to do? 
Oogie wants to be the head of Halloween Town also. And he's pure, like, 100% Halloween in a bad way. You remember the line in This Is Halloween where they say, it's our job, but we're not mean in this town of Halloween? Well, Oogie Boogie is mean. And there's an interesting contrast, too, with Jack, who is literally a skeleton. And he is literally and figuratively the core, the bones of Halloween Town. He gets it. Oogie Boogie is literally a bag of bugs, and he has no core and no substance, and subsequently doesn't actually understand what they're there to do. Much the same way that Jack doesn't quite understand what Christmas is about. The problem is is that the trick-or-treaters are 100% loyal to Oogie Boogie, so of course they don't listen to Jack, and they give Santa to Oogie Boogie. And once Santa is uh, secured... Jack and the citizens of Halloween Town set about trying to create their own twisted version of Christmas. And they sing this incredible song called Making Christmas. And the lyrics are amazing as all of these scary monster creatures are trying their best to create what they think Christmas is based on Jack's vague descriptions of what he thinks Christmas is. Making Christmas, making Christmas, trying to give them something fun they'll talk about Snakes and mice get wrapped up so nice with spider And I swear, this must have been what it was like at Rise Records in like the 2010s as they tried to make pop songs out of deathcore and metalcore songs. Anyway, Sally warns Jack again that he's making a huge mistake because she had this vision of like a Christmas tree burning and that pretty much told her that like, all of this Christmas stuff is like bad news. It's going to end really, really badly. She tries to warn Jack. Jack won't hear it. And he just tells her that, you know, she needs to make him a Santa suit. Because Jack's all in at this point. He's not going to listen to anybody else's suggestion. He's the king of Halloween Town, right? And so he knows what's best for what goes on in that town. So Christmas rolls around and it goes about as well as you'd expect it to go. Because, see, Jack didn't really spend enough time explaining Christmas to the citizens of Halloween Town. So their liberal mixing of scary things with Christmas things ended up with kids in the real world getting presents that were more like scares. You know, there, there's a scene where the kids are, like, hiding in a corner and all of the presents have, like, teeth and they're, like, coming after them. And it doesn't take very long for the humans in the real world to figure out that the guy flying from rooftop to rooftop is not the real Santa Claus. And this is something that I think is really interesting about this movie is that the military actually had a backup plan for like fake Santa and they actually shoot Jack out of the fucking sky with artillery. Like I'm not even joking. He doesn't die though cuz he's He's a singing skeleton. He's he's already dead because, like, he, he he's a mort. You get it. He crash lands in a graveyard, appropriate, and sings a very heartfelt song. What have I done? What have I done? Find a deep cave to hide in, in a 
He has this moment of clarity where he realizes where he went wrong. And he laments the fact that he failed in his attempt and he should have listened to the warnings. But ultimately, he's not ashamed that he tried to do something different. He tried his absolute best and he failed at it. But through all of this, he remembers who he truly is. He is the Pumpkin King. And he feels restored to his old self again. He got his obsession out of his system, and he's ultimately better for it. And he rushes back to Halloween Town, saves Santa from the clutches of Oogie Boogie, and apologizes to Santa for all the wrongdoing. And Santa, looking super pissed off, goes back into the real world and fixes Christmas for everyone. Oh, and Oogie Boogie's sack seam came undone, and all of his bugs fell down into a drain. Into a fire, I think. I don't know, I fell asleep when I was watching it last night. I think there was a fire. All of that said, I have some questions. But before I ask those questions, I want to tell a little bit of a story. One that a lot of you guys probably know already. See, earlier this year, I also had a longing inside of my bones. I've been doing music reviews and music criticism for well over a decade at that point. I became known for cutting and hard-hitting criticism. You know, this band should have done this, this band should have done that. No band was free from being graced with my lofty expectations of what they were supposed to sound like in my ideal world. I was a tastemaker. Now, I wasn't famous. Don't misunderstand. But I did have a group of supporters and loyalists who listened to what I had to say week after week for multiple years. The theme of the entire season of this podcast focused on how I got into music, particularly metal and hardcore music, at an early age and how I eventually found my voice and spent all of my spare time talking about it in some capacity. But as I talked about in episode one, I felt like I'd kind of lost sight of why I got into music in the first place. I spent all of my days and nights talking about how much I hated music, but didn't spend enough time talking about the reason I got into music. Because the reason I was into it in the first place was because I loved it. I had a longing deep inside of my bones, just like Jack did. I got tired of being the pumpkin king of my small group. But I think it's interesting with it being so relatable, the questions that I have essentially boil down to this. Firstly, what is the message of this movie? And no, movies don't have to have a message, but it feels like this one is vying for a message of some kind. On one hand, it seems to encourage us to try something new whenever we become burned out on something. Because sometimes variety is what we need as humans in order to texture our lives and make us feel interesting. Make us feel full, make us feel more complete. But then on the other hand, it also reads like a cautionary tale, like warning you to stick to what you're good at. And that change isn't necessarily a good thing. Or that if you try something new, like, it could end in disaster. And it's like, which one is it? Like, you know, are we supposed to go out and get new experiences? Or are we supposed to just double down on what we think we're good at? And I didn't have an answer to this. Uh, as I was writing this script for the episode, I was talking to Buddy about it. 
and uh, and he said something interesting. But he says, you know, essentially that he always enjoyed the fact that Jack doesn't do well in the end, but that he was better for having tried. And so I think that's the message a little bit. And it kind of you kind of see it as you're watching the movie in the sense that, like, Jack is warned several times that this is going to end badly. And I don't necessarily know if Sally's warning based on a vision that she had was like he should just abandon this Christmas thing entirely or, or if he was just going about it wrong. Like I said earlier, you know, really, I don't think that Jack is wrong for wanting to change. I think that Jack's problem was that he became somewhat overconfident in what he was doing, you know, because Jack is used to being the pumpkin king, right? He, he can't just enjoy something. He has to be the best at it. Right, so he goes from not even really truly understanding what Christmas is about to saying, okay, hold on, it doesn't actually matter what Christmas is about, it's just what I believe in my heart that it's about, and and not only do I believe it in my heart, but I think what I believe in my heart is actually better than what is available out there now, and so I'm going to sort of mold it and change it into my own sort of idea of what I think Christmas is, and then you end up with a disaster, <laughs> you know. And this is kind of where the brutal honesty comes in, is sometimes I worry that that's what I'm doing, you know, with this podcast. Like, am I trying to make it better for better sake? Am I trying to tell myself it's better, even though people would prefer if I went back and did the old thing? I don't actually know. I don't know what the answer is. And I think that's that's what struck me about this movie and made me want to do an episode about it was because it is thought-provoking in a way that I wasn't really expecting it to be. A couple of other things of note uh, while I still have time. It's going to be a shorter episode because it's a bonus, and uh, I know you guys have better things to do than hear me yammer on about a movie that came out a billion years ago. But um, one of my favorite aspects of this movie, outside of the message and the songs and everything, is the fact that it is 100% stop-motion animated and um, that is a style that, you know, might be sort of forgotten in the world of CGI movies. But uh, I-, I can only imagine the amount of time that it took to to make these characters come to life in the fun and exciting way that they did. And um, so the visual style is is 100% up my alley and the kind of thing that uh, I hope to see more movies done in this style in the future, even if it is kind of more of like a retro type of thing. And uh, because this is a music podcast, I do want to talk a little bit about the soundtrack of this movie because, you know, I'm not typically into musicals. When I sit down to watch a movie, I'm not, you know, usually too into stuff that is just like, you know, somebody's sitting there having a conversation and they start singing. But I think the overall, like, darkness of this movie and the slightly more relatable subject matter especially when I was a teenager. I mean, this is probably the most hot topic movie ever made. But it really struck me. The soundtrack, the Danny Elfman soundtrack really struck me as this, like, mixture of, like, upbeat, joyous kind of Christmas music mixed with this kind of darker undercurrent. And it's funny because I'll sit there and tell you that I think that this is, you know, such a great soundtrack or whatever, but then I'll go listen to, like, an, an orchestrated, you know, like, power metal band and tell you that I don't like it because it's, uh, you know, too joyous or whatever. Whereas this movie, you know, like, What's This is one of the most joyous songs ever. 
but then it's also contrasted by songs like Kidnap the Sandy Claws, which are dark and evil but sound happy. I don't know. That dynamic really works for me on this soundtrack. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to ask me if I have heard the Nightmare Revisited soundtrack where they had a whole bunch of popular bands kind of go back and reimagine these songs. And to be perfectly honest, I don't really enjoy the Revisited soundtrack that much uh, just because I really fell in love with the songs in this movie and on this soundtrack. And I just don't necessarily think that the reimaginings always hit the mark. 100%. There, there's only like one song on that revisited soundtrack, and that is Korn's version of Kidnap the Sandy Claws. I think that that song like actually really does capture the spirit of that song, and I think they did a really, really good job with it. It's actually one of my favorite Korn songs, like unironically. But other than that, uh, the revisited soundtrack really didn't do a whole lot for me. In conclusion, I love this movie. I love the thought-provoking nature of the story. I like the songs. I like the characters. I, I really love the character of Jack, and I know that he's supposed to be like, you know, he's obviously he's supposed to be the person that we relate to the most. He's the everyman, right, that's, that's looking for a change in his life. And I think ultimately that's what I really want to take away from this movie is that Jack wanted to change, and he tried his very, very best in order to make that change a reality. And yeah, he failed. In the end, he didn't he didn't succeed in that vision. But I think that he learned a lot. And as far as on my side of it, you know, this is not like some veiled attempt at me saying that I'm going to go back to doing music reviews or that I'm going to go back to doing podcasts in the style that I used to do them. I'm just going to continue trying to uh, to keep sight of you know what we're doing here and why we do podcasts and why I feel the need to share uh, so much of, of my life with everyone else. I just, I want to continue to nourish that idea of music is more than just notes that we, that we listen to, you know, pleasant sounds that we like. They, it, it, they can actually come to define a lot of eras of our lives and a lot of memories that we have, you know? Um, so, you know, am I ultimately going to fail uh, like Jack did? Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is, but uh, I'm going to keep trying. So uh, whether I succeed or fail or not, I will let you guys decide. Thank you guys so much for listening to this bonus episode of DFT's Dungeon. I know I said I was on a break, but uh, you know, I haven't done a Christmas-themed episode before, so I thought that I would do that, even though this isn't necessarily Christmas-themed. Um, I'll be honest, I don't really care much for Christmas music, so this is about as close as I'm going to get to doing something like that. Guys, if you like the podcast, check it out. Make sure you're subscribed, all that good stuff. Check us out on, on Facebook. Um, I almost said MySpace, but it's it's not it's not there. You can go to MySpace. It won't be there. Uh, but, yeah, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. You can send me an email at dftdungeon at gmail.com. 
Hope you guys really enjoyed this little bonus episode. And uh, season two is coming. I'm already working on it. And uh, it, the very first episode is going to drop on January 22nd. So make sure that you are there. Thank you guys so much. And happy holidays. Do it.